0: Last week, I filled my truck up with gas. And can I tell you, you would not believe what the gas station wanted me to do. They actually wanted me to pay for my gas. $70. Man, I was so mad. Can I tell you, I am never going back to the HEB gas place again. How dare they? Right? All they care about is money. Yesterday, I ate at Chick-fil-A. Anybody in here love Chick-fil-A? Man, it was good. But you know what they had the gall to do? Before I even got my food, you know what they asked me to do? They asked me to pay for it. Man, how, how dare they? Man, I, I tell you what, I'm not going to go to Chick-fil-A anymore. Man, all they do is they care about my money. Right? Why do restaurants always have to bring up money every time I go there? A couple of weeks ago, Tina picked up some of my clothes from the dry cleaners. And when she got home, man, she was so angry. She said, I'm never going back to those dry cleaners again. Do you know what they did? They They made me pay for your shirts. All they ever do is talk about money. Now, that sounds kind of ridiculous when you apply that to restaurants, to a gas station, or even dry cleaners. Right, You would never expect to eat in a restaurant, to fill up your tank with gas, or to get your clothes dry cleaned at the cleaners and not address the issue of money. Yet, when it comes to church, many people have a different mindset. It's interesting the disconnect that some people have with their faith and their finances. The thought is, I go to church. I even love God. But I'm not sure if I'm going to let that affect what I do with my money. right? I've committed my life to Jesus. You can talk about sin, hell. You can talk about adultery, self-control. You can talk about anything else. But you better not talk about money. If you've been in church, you've probably heard that complaint before. The reality is that way of thinking isn't new. That's why Jesus taught so much about giving and stewardship. You see, 15% of Jesus' teaching was on the subject of money or possessions. More than all of his teachings on heaven and hell combined. Jesus spent so much time on the subject because he knew that the whole area of money and finances would be a difficult area for Christians to obey God on. See, they know what the Bible says. But in this area, many Christians think that obedience is optional. That way that they can continue and intentionally disobey the word of God without any repercussions. See, I talk about a lot of things at our church. But nothing gets people's attention more than talking about money. People are really sensitive about their money, at least when it comes to the church. But I still have to talk about the things that are a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because God has charged me as the pastor to teach all things, even the things we don't want to hear. Because it's important. See, the issue is there's a whole lot of confusion surrounding the issue of giving. I don't know if you, you think that I get a percentage of, of the offering that comes in, and so somehow there's a personal vested interest that I have in, in how much comes in in the offering. Um, but I'm not. I'm on a fixed salary. Um, my paycheck is the same whether you gave today or whether you didn't. Um, regardless of what's in the offering bag, I'm still going to get the same check. So let me relax you as, as we look at this story today. Listen, I am not trying to get your money. In fact, if you think that's my goal, keep your money. Right? Watch and see if that changes the way that we love you, if it changes the way that we minister to your kids or care for you in the time of crisis. It won't because we don't know. When you go into the hospital, we don't first check to look and see how much money you've given before we decide whether or not we'll come visit you. That would be crazy. But today I want to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 25. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen behind me. It's a parable, a story that Jesus told to illustrate truth. This this parable applies to many areas in your life, how you share your faith, how you use your God-given abilities, and what you do with your money. Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 14, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Now, this story is based on a familiar custom in Jesus' day. Local provincial leaders of the Roman Empire often journeyed to Rome to lobby for their province or their city or to position themselves when a new emperor took charge so that they could have more political power. And while they were away, what they did is they entrusted their servants with all of their possessions. So this guy gathered all of his servants and all of his workers together. And he said, hey, guys, I'm going to be gone for a while. And I'm going to leave you in charge of the business of of everything that I do. And I'm going to give you charge of all of my money. Now, notice what the Bible says. It says he entrusted his property to them. You see, they had temporary management of it, but it was still all his money. They didn't own it. It, was, it wasn't theirs. It was his. But they were given responsibility and authority to do something with what they were given. And in, in those days, these, these servants were called stewards. And stewards were the ones who acted on the behalf of the owner. In this story, the owner represents God. The first stewardship principle that we learn from this story is that I don't own anything. God owns it all. God owns everything. Everything I have comes from him. God just asked me to manage it. He owns it. I manage it. I take care of it. It's not my money. It's his money. One day when my son Josiah was little, we went to get some ice cream. And on this particular day, I was trying to be healthy, and so I didn't get me any ice cream. And so after we got back from HEB, I fixed him a good-sized bowl of ice cream, and we sat at the table, and I fixed myself a glass of water. By the way, do you know how hard it is to just drink water when somebody's eating ice cream around you? And so we, I fixed him his ice cream. We sat down, and I stared at him as he ate his ice cream. Finally, the temptation of the ice cream became too much, and I had to have a bite of it. And so I reached out to grab his spoon and the bowl of ice cream, and that little punk grabbed it and pulled it closer to him. You see, Josiah didn't understand where the ice cream had come from. He forgot that just minutes before I went to the store, I reached in my pocket and pulled out my money to buy my ice cream. You see, I was the source of the ice cream he had. At the time, Josiah didn't understand that. Secondly, he didn't understand that if I wanted to, I could take that ice cream away from him. He also didn't understand that if I wanted to, I could also bless him with so much ice cream that his belly would ache for days and days. Here's the reality is, I didn't need Josiah's ice cream. If I really wanted to, I could have gone to the freezer and gotten my own. What I needed was his willingness to share what I had already previously given him. See, it was an amazing display of ingratitude. I paid for that ice cream. It was mine. I, I, I bought him the ice cream. It was for me. But he wasn't willing to share it with me. You see, sometimes... We're just like that. God gives us something and then we, acting like it's all our, ours, we're unwilling to give a percentage back to him. Don't touch my ice cream, God. Right? Don't touch my money. It's, it's mine. How can I be possessive of something that God gave me in the first place? Parents, maybe you've done this with your child. We, we have iPads that we allow our kids to play on sometimes when they're good, when they do their chores, when they act right. And then sometimes, I don't know about your kids. Your kids probably don't do this. My kids are probably the only ones that do this. We tell them, okay, it's time to quit playing. It's time to go outside. Why? It's my iPad. Josiah, let me ask you, the iPad that you get to play with, whose iPad is that? Mine. See, it's a lesson he's learned now. Why? Josiah, who paid for the iPad? I did. If Daddy wants to play with the iPad, can I play with the iPad? If I want to take it away from you and turn it off, can I do that as well? Why? Because it's mine. It's a great lesson for an eight-year-old to know. But it's a lesson sometimes I think we as adults forget. How can I be possessive of something that God has given me? You see, the height of ingratitude is for God to give us something, and then we, like Josiah with the ice cream, we act like it's our own. It's not my stuff, it's his stuff. Everything that I have, I have because he's entrusted it to me. Story continues. To one, he, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent. Each according to his own ability, and then he went on his journey. See, a talent is a unit of silver, Um, and in Jesus' day, a unit of silver would have been worth about two and a half years' wages um, for the average worker. And so, let's say a talent, by the time you figure inflation and all of that, would be about fifty thousand dollars. And so one guy was given 50000 one guy was given $100,000, and one guy got 250000 These guys were, were given a pretty good chunk of money to oversee. Now, can I just pause right here and say this is the part of the story that I don't really like. You want to know why? Because it doesn't seem right or fair. Why does one guy get five talents... Another guy only gets two. And and then that one poor guy, he only got one talent. Why doesn't everyone get the same amount? Why didn't everybody get equal amounts? I hear this question occasionally. Why are some people more blessed than others? Why do they have more than me? Listen, I don't understand why God gives some people different amounts. But you see, I don't have to understand Because that's his right. You see, God has the right to distribute to each of us whatever he wishes. It all belongs to him. And when it comes to our money, we don't have any rights. We are stewards. The owner has the rights. The steward has the responsibilities. You are tasked with the responsibility of managing the money that God trusts you with. We see that the man who had five talents, that had received the five talents, went at once, and he put his money to work, and he gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. You see, these guys were given the stewardship responsibility to act on behalf of the owner while he was away. And no doubt, they knew the priorities of the owner. They they were to manage his money the way that he would manage his money. If I gave my money to a financial advisor, I don't really care if he has a goal of buying a new car or buying a new house. That's fine, right? I'm glad that he has goals. But with the money that I trust him with, it's not his goals or priorities that matter. I expect him to use my resources to accomplish my goals, to have a secure retirement to help my kids pay for college. Whatever it is, the job of a steward is to adopt the priorities of the owner. You see, if everything you have belongs to God, if He's trusted you with it, whose goals should you be working towards? It's God's. You see, stewardship is using God given resources to accomplish God given goals. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all, say that word with me, all, all these things will be added to you. All these things, the the Greek there means all these things. Every single bit of it. Everything that you would possibly need. If you put God's kingdom first, if you use your God-given resources to accomplish his priorities and his goals, then God promises to supply your needs. Now, now, because of this, you understand the verse in Malachi that talks about robbing God when you don't pay your tithes. It's robbing God because you're not using His resources to fulfill and accomplish His goals. Verse 18, But the man who had received the one talent went off. He dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. You see, they were given stewardship responsibility to act on the interest and the behalf of the owner. And then... The owner came back to see how they did. The reality is one day you will stand before God and be accountable for how you handled what he trusted you with. Did you use his resources to accomplish his goals? Or did you apply your own priorities and ignore his? As a steward, you are accountable to the owner. Listen, I understand this isn't popular, right? You understand that you're going to be held responsible for your words, right? You realize that you're going to be held responsible for your actions. Parents, don't we expect that of our kids? Don't say that word. That's not a nice word. Don't hit your brother. That's not very nice. Quit pushing your brother down. Why did you just throw something at him? Stop, right? There are consequences. When your behavior and your words aren't correct, your kids will be held accountable for it. You see, but we're accountable to God for everything, even our money. You can't separate this one part of your life you can't say, God, I trust you with everything. I give you everything in my life. But this nah, this is mine. Ah, I'll tip you. I'll drop a 20 in the plate every now and then, but man, you're not gonna get control says that the man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with the five talents. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness." The owner said, Great job, way to go. You did so well with what I trusted you that I'm going to give you even more. In fact, I'm going to give you a lot more because you have been faithful. Why do people have a lot? Why do they have more? Why are they so blessed? It's because of their faithfulness. Right Later, someone could look at the, the man with the, the five-talent steward and, and say, well, what's so special about him? Why does he have so much? Why has God blessed him so much? The reason is that because he was faithful with a little. He was smart. But that's not why he was blessed. He was blessed according to his faithfulness. I've heard people ask, well, why do they have such a big house? Right? Look at that boat. Look at their lake house. How do they drive a brand new truck? You see, you make a huge mistake when you resent someone for their blessings without considering their faithfulness. The man with two talents also came. said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents and see I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. See, the guy that started with two talents was blessed in the same way of the man with five. They didn't start with the same amount. They didn't end with the same amount. But they received the same blessing because they were responsible with what they had been given. You see, it's, it's easy to say, well, if I had a lot of money, then I'd be faithful. Right? If, if I had a ton of money, I would, I would give more to the poor. How about this? Be faithful with what God has given you, where you are right now. Because you will be blessed according to your faithfulness, not according to the amount that you're able to give. See, the question is not what would I do if I had a lot. The question is what am I going to do with what I have right now? Now, I don't know about you, but I sometimes daydream about someone giving me a big pile of money, right? Or even winning the lottery, which I don't even play. Um, I'd love to give a million dollars to the church so that we could build brand new state-of-the-art children's facilities. So that we could fund a a brand new missionary with everything they need for their first term. But so far, no one's given me a big bag of money. Nobody has, has... has given me large sums of money. I haven't won the lottery. I haven't found a briefcase full of $100 bills yet. Um, Here's the reality is that may never happen. So I have to be faithful with what God has given me right now. A friend of mine told me a story of something that happened a few years ago, and a couple in his church came and said to him, "Um, we have a dream of writing a million-dollar check to the kingdom. And, and he shared with me, he goes, man, I probably should have kept my mouth shut and not said what I said, but I had an inability to keep my mouth shut. And he said this. He said it will never happen. You'll never write a million-dollar check because you won't even write a hundred-dollar check right now. If you won't be faithful with what you have now, you're not going to be faithful when you have more. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent on the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. The master continued, Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will be given in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, remember, if I was telling the story, every single one of them would have gotten the same amount to start with. Not the 5 two, one thing. They would have all gotten the same thing because that doesn't seem fair. If, I had, if it had to be that way, the different amounts, then, then I would tell the story a little bit different. I would have let the one talent guy, I would have let the underdog be the winner. Right? Everybody loves an underdog. But that's not what happened. It was the one talent guy, who didn't use what he was given. And so because he didn't use what he was given, because he ignored the priority of the master, he lost it. The master took the one talent and he gave it to the guy with the most talent. And then he said, the one talent guy is worthless. Throw him outside. That seems pretty tough. He didn't use what he had and so it was taken away now listen i know that might not seem fair but this is a story that, that jesus told about what was going on in the lives of those who claimed to be his followers see everything belongs to god he has trusted you with some things you're a steward and you should act on his behalf you should act on his interest to accomplish his goals you will be blessed according to your faithfulness. And one day, when this journey on earth is over, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account for every single thing that you did. You see, the one-talent guy failed as a steward. See, I think there are a few lessons to learn from his approach. He said, my idea of being a good steward is to play it safe. I'm not going to do anything. I, I'm just going to wait. Maybe you've said that. I, I'm just going to wait until I have more. Right? I can't do anything with this little bit that I have right now. It can't make a difference, and so I'll just do nothing. I'll wait until the kids are grown, and until my career is on track, and until I get my act together. I'll wait until I become a member of the church. I'll, I'll see what others do first. I'll wait until I know more. You see, you fail as a steward when you do nothing with what God has given you. You see, the one-talent guy got condemned because he did absolutely nothing. He was called lazy. He made no effort. He was content just to float through life. The five-talent and the two-talent guys worked hard to double their money. They put forth a lot of effort. Here's the reality, is it is way easier to be a lazy slacker. But easier doesn't mean better. It's easier to cheat on a test than it is to study. We've seen what that leads to recently, haven't we? It's easier to buy a paper on the internet than it is to write your own. It's easier to steal than to get a job. It's easier to sleep than it is to go to school. It's easier to have fun than it is to keep up with your assignments and your requirements. It's easier not to clean your room. It's easier not to brush your teeth. Right? Is easier better? Of course not. You don't believe that easier is better in any other area of your life. Listen, do you know how easy it would have been for me this morning to wake up, roll out of bed, throw wrinkly clothes on, and not brush my teeth? I could have done that in like two minutes. But see, because I like you, I brushed my teeth this morning. Right? Why? Because I knew that you would come talk to me. And if you ever talked to somebody that had bad breath that you could tell hadn't brushed their teeth in a couple of days? If you've got young boys, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's awful. Why do they do it? Because they don't want to quit doing what they're doing to do what's important because it's easier not to. You see, easier isn't always better. Listen, it's easy just to sit back and let other people do all the hard work, right? Let someone else do it. Let someone else look after it. Let, let someone else handle everything, right? There's lots of people around here. They don't need me. They don't need my money. They don't need my help. Now, listen, I understand that sometimes it's also easier not to give. It seems easier not to be a tither, to, to give 10%. Why? Because after all, 10% is a lot of money, isn't it? In the short run, it seems easier not to give, not to concern yourself with God's priorities. But you see, you fail as a steward when you decide that easier is better. You see, it's not an issue of what we need here at First Assembly. It's not even that God needs your money. But you see, if you're not obedient, you'll miss out on the opportunity to be a part. And you'll miss the blessing that comes when you handle your responsibility faithfully. Now, come on, does God really need your money? Of course not. It's already His. It's not about what we need or what God needs. The goal is not to do what's easiest. Instead, the issue is what are you doing with what the owner has given you? The one talent guy was so afraid that he went out and he buried the talent. And when the master showed up, he went back out and he grabbed me and he said, Hey, sir, it's a little bit dirty, um, but here it is. I, I didn't blow it. I didn't lose it. I didn't waste it. In fact, I kept it safe. I didn't fail. Here, have it back. There was no risk or no investment on his part. He was paralyzed by his fear. Fear has probably stopped you from doing something before. And I understand fear. If I give to God, I won't have enough for myself. If I tithe, how will I pay my bills? If I give money to missions, I'll have less money. But just like the one-talent servant, you fail as a steward when you give in to your fear. God has trusted you. What you have comes from him. It's your choice, just like the stewards in this story. You can take what God has given you and you can use it to accomplish his goals or you can lose it all. Here's the funny part of it. If you don't use what God has given you to accomplish his goals and his priorities, you have no choice. You will lose it. One day when your life is over, you will lose it. You don't get to take anything with you. It's all going to be gone. Back in the 90s, there, there was a saying that he who has the most stuff, when he dies, he still dies. You don't get to carry it with you. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you try to accumulate, you're going to lose it. But Jason, doesn't that happen to everybody? Don't, don't I lose everything if I go for his goals as well? No. Not the faithful steward. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6:19. Said, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal." You see, you can be a faithful steward and use what God has given you to store up treasure in heaven that you won't lose. That's treasure that lasts forever. You can use the resources that God has entrusted you to accomplish his goals. You can be a faithful steward or you can be like the one talent servant and lose it all. You see, when when Tina and I got married, things were tight for us financially. Like a lot of couples starting out, we didn't have much. I was working at the school, teaching and coaching, and, and I was, we were working at a church um, totally free. We weren't getting a paycheck um, to be youth pastors. And when we began there, we, we began with no pay. Then an anonymous person in the church um, gave Uh, enough money so that we could get $1,000 a month. Now, in the midst of that, I felt like God told me to go full-time at the church. So I stopped working at the school, and we adjusted for the decrease that we had in our pay. We were about four to five months into that, And we'd been married just a year or so, four or five months into the pastorate. We, our oldest child, Josiah, was coming within a few months. And my pastor walked in my office and said, Jason, man, I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but because of where the church is financially, you're going to have to take a voluntary 50% pay cut. Now, in my head, I went voluntary. I thought voluntary meant that I wanted this. Man, we weren't making much as it was. And now we were going to be making even less. You see, right then, we had to make a choice. Can I just be honest? There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of uncertainty in the moment. We had to decide with what God had given us, which which now is going to be 50% less than what we thought it was going to be, what are we going to do? We made the decision many, many years ago that we want to live not as owners like it all belongs to us, but as stewards, believing and acting and living like it all belongs to God. You see, we don't want to live with closed fist, clutching it all for ourselves. We want to live with open hands. We want to say to God, Lord, you gave us all of this. How do you want us to use it? What you've given us, you can take whatever you want because it belongs to you anyways. We're not going to be like Josiah with his ice cream. We know it belongs to you. And so we trusted God in the moment. And you know what? We haven't stopped trusting God since. And you know what? We have always had what we needed. And Tina and I can point back to that moment in our lives when we made the decision that it didn't matter where we were financially, we were going to honor God with what he blessed us with. You see, every year, it's our goal that we give more to God than we did the year before. And so we give an ever-increasing amount to the kingdom. And we trust that God will bless that. And you know what? God has done that for us. And he'll do that for you. I want to challenge you today, not to be an owner, but a steward. Say, Lord, thank you. God, I'm not going to resent someone else for what they have, but thank you for what you've given me. And Lord, now with what I have, whether I make a minimum wage or or whether I make six figures, Lord, with what I have, I'm going to use it to accomplish your purposes and your goals. Because one day when we stand before you, we want to hear, well done my good and faithful servant. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray with you. And I know a message like this, everyone expects at the end of it that I'm going to take up a special offering or something, that I'm going to try and get more of your money. Listen, we're not going to do that. Instead, I simply want to pray for you. I want to pray that you'll live life with open hands. And that you'll say to the Lord, thank you for what you have entrusted me with. And now I'm going to use this to accomplish your priorities. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for your blessings in our lives. God, we declare to you today that you own it all. God, but you already know that. You gave it to us. You you own it. Lord, different ones of us with different amounts and different seasons of life. God, we don't always understand that. But we know that whatever we have comes from you. So, God, today we open our hands and we say, Lord, since it's from you anyways, you can have whatever you want. I will use what you have given me, God, what you have blessed me with to accomplish your dreams, your goals, your purposes, and your priorities. God, I give you the right to establish priorities in my own life, God, even with my money, because it's really yours. God, will you help us to see and change us from storing up treasures on earth where we're going to lose it anyways to storing up treasures in heaven where it doesn't rust and it doesn't get destroyed. Lord, I pray for those that, that live in fear for this part of their lives. God, and they've feared obeying you. God, they constantly live in fear financially. God, today we recognize that the source of fear is when we don't trust you. So today, God, we put our trust in you. Lord, we commit together that with what you have given us, God, we're going to accomplish your priorities, your mission, and your goals. Then Lord, I pray that as people do that, God, just like the story that you told, God, that you will bless them with more. God, not so that they can accumulate more stuff, God, that, but so that they can accomplish more of your priorities in your goals. Lord, thank you for the blessings in our life. God, regardless of of the amount of those blessings. Lord, we want to be faithful with those blessings. God, so that one day we too can... God, we thank you for your blessings. Regardless of how big or how small they may be, God, and today we choose to be grateful. God, we choose to be thankful for your blessings. God, forgive us when we've been bitter against those who have more. God, and help us to approach our lives with gratitude for what you've blessed us with.